Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Well, today we have a treat for you. We're excited to have Luke still with us. And Luke has been a youth pastor for 20 years in South Florida. He also works for First Priority, which is a ministry in the area that he'll tell you a little bit more about. But Luke is going to talk to us today about children and teens and some of the struggles that you face or will face as a parent and some of the struggles that you face as either a stander or if you're a prodigal. So um, we're excited to have Luke with us today. Pastor Luke, we're thrilled to have you here and we're thrilled to be able to have you talk about teenagers and the youth as one subject we have not dealt with recently. And we have many uh, fathers and mothers that have children and are dealing with a variety of situations at home, especially since their mom and dad are separated or possibly divorced. So we're thrilled to have you here to talk about your experiences with youth and all your insight for the parents. Thank you for this opportunity. I am blessed and honored to be here looking forward to this and uh, I'm excited. Let's rock and roll it. Just to um, give you some credentials, Luke has not only been a youth pastor for 20 years, but he works with a ministry in South Florida called First Priority, and I'll let him share a little bit about that. Um, But he has a lot of influence over young people, and he has an opportunity often to be around young people and to see um, just kind of life up close and personal for what teenagers face today. Can you explain what that is before we get started? Sure. Uh, First Priority is an incredible organization that's a parachurch ministry, and uh, it is partners with churches that uh, goes into the public schools. And what it is is students who have a desire to reach their campus for Christ. Um, First Priority equips them to share their faith, and uh, then they they share their faith uh, on their school campus. And then ultimately the goal is, is to get those students connected to the local church. And so it's kind of like this little three-phase cycle where a youth pastor who may have students in his ministry that go to different public schools, he would go onto their campus. They It's all student-led and student-run um, where they meet on the first week. They uh, learn how to share their faith, whether it's a three crowns, whether it's a gospel um, using a, a bracelet, whether it, however, they learn how to share their faith. Then the next week they invite all their friends and we provide pizza for them at no charge we come in with pizzas and we don't care if kids just come for pizza because ultimately we want them to hear the gospel Um, and then they share the gospel kids get saved and then the following week if they come back to the club our goal is to connect them to that youth pastor and then that youth pastor's local church and so um, it's an incredible resource for parents and students alike uh, in the public schools uh, all over really the nation primarily for us here in south florida Um, that's what we do every week we go into public schools and teach kids how to share their faith and proclaim the gospel You know, we actually yesterday just had in Broward County of South Florida, uh, had what we call our Celebrate the Win. And uh, this year, uh, on 94 public school campuses in Broward County, we had over 4,600 kids come to know Christ in one year. Um, And a a lot of those kids uh, have gotten plugged in to their local churches. And that's, for us, that's 
the, the Great Commission is to go proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. And, and, and so that's what we get to do. And so yesterday was an awesome day as we mm-hmm. celebrated the win of what God has done all across Broward here in South Florida. That's, that's a lot of children, yeah, a lot of awesome. teens. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. The next generation. Yeah. That's the awesome. next leaders, the leaders of today, really. If you have never heard about it, definitely look it up, call and check on it for your own area and see if first priority is available in your uh, children's uh, school. Absolutely. Well, when my parents separated for the 14th time in my life, they separated 19 times in 18 years of marriage. Every time things got bad, my dad would pack a bag and leave and say, that's it, I'm not coming back. Mm -hmm. And I was 14 when he finally left permanently and they divorced. And that was a um, sensitive time in the life of a a young girl. But it was a time where, although we had been involved in the church, I was involved in our youth group, like I could really tell that I was turning a corner and not making right choices in my life, um, probably partly because of what was going on at home. And so I know that teenagers face a lot Um, even more so today than I think what we faced as teenagers. But I think when there's a crisis at home, a crisis in a marriage, um, you see your parents going through separation or divorce or fighting or affairs, um, that it really can impact a a child. It can impact a young child. It can impact a teenager. And so today we just want to kind of talk about your history and your knowledge of what you've seen as being a youth pastor and also just give some wisdom to the moms and dads out there who um, some are outside of their home and they're living away from their daily impact over their child and some um, have daily impact and so we just want to kind of give encouragement to help them you know through this stage that they're going through so um, I want to ask you first what are some struggles that you see young people dealing with um, today maybe that are even different than what we dealt with yeah so I mean teenagers the, the truth is is history repeats itself right so problems that were 20 years ago haven't gone away they've amplified right. um, and not only have they amplified but there are newer problems. When it comes to teens specifically, um, most teens, uh, whether there's trauma at home, whether there's arguments, whatever that trauma looks like, teens are going to react differently. Um, Everybody's coping skills are different. Um, And teens tend to um, do one of two things. Either they resort to isolation where they want to get by themselves, they don't want anybody to address them, they don't want anybody to know their problems and um, because they don't know how to, how to really deal with that, or they lash out. Um, and so it's the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Very rarely do you have kids that just maintain doing what they're doing. Um, most of the time they go one extreme or uh, the other. You know, the, the added pressures today of social life, um, trying to put on the persona that everything's okay, that they, um, you know, back in when you guys were growing up, myself included, uh, when we would use the phrase, um, 
um, like when you're comparing yourself to the Joneses, mm-hmm. like, hey, when you're, you know, that was just like, hey, what do I have versus what do you have? But today, students are comparing themselves on different levels, not just what do we have, but emotionally, um, what stability do I have in my life versus what they have in their home? Uh, kids will come to our house all the time, hang out with my kids. They don't want to leave. And it's not because my house is like great. In fact, my house is crazy with all of our kids, but what it is is it's stable. And that's what teenagers want. They want stability. They want to know that they're going to have consistency in their life. And when that gets thrown into a whirlwind, whether it's through divorce or whether it's through a loss of a job, mom and dad, like, you know, hey, where's going to their stability has been turned upside down. And so um, those are some of the things that, again, you guys faced that 20 years ago. But today, uh, with the likes of social media, that is put on blast 100 times over, you know. What are some things that you think teenagers would want to talk to their parents about if they would be honest and open with them? but they don't feel comfortable often talking about? Well, number one is pain. Most yeah. kids don't want to talk about their pain. They don't want to talk about their emotions um, because they've never been taught how to talk about their emotions. Um, mom and dad, if they do argue in front of the kids or fight, whatever they call it, um, that's what the kid sees. So that's what they think their conversation is going to be like. But then if mom and dad never argue in front of the kids, those are the kids that tend to go, well, I've never seen my mom and dad argue. I don't know how to even have an open dialogue, right. even conversation, um, how to express my pain that mm-hmm. I really am facing. Um, teenagers want to know that they can be heard. Every kid, every adult wants that right? Um, But if they've never been taught how to express themselves, how to have an open conversation, even when you disagree or, hey, I didn't mean to treat you that way, kids don't know how to have those conversations today. And a lot of that is, is because mom and dads have checked out. Um, Hey, mom and dad's answer is, here's a phone, you go do whatever you need to do. And unfortunately, the parent dynamic is so different today than it was 20 years ago. And that is because our world is different right. today, you know? Much faster paced, much more technology that we're fighting against. and Well, not, yeah. I mean, think about, okay, technology is its own thing, but back in the day when you wanted your kids to be involved in extracurricular activities, there was one or two. Mm-hmm. Today you've got 25 different right. things that you're literally driving from place to place and your relationship as a parent to a child um, Dining room tables are no longer crowded. Right. That's where dialogue would take place. You know, I grew up, my mom, I only have one sister, but man, 6.30, we're at the dining room table mm-hmm. and we're eating dinner together yeah. and we're talking about the day. We're, and, and you weren't allowed to say, well, my day was fine. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Yeah. What made it fine? <laughs> hey, let's talk through that. That's not happening today. Um, in a lot of homes and it's simply because we're in a fast paced society. Uh, I got to go to work. I got to get them to the extracurriculars. I got to get home. They got to do their homework. It's nine o'clock. They got to go to bed. Well, we didn't have family time. That's what I hear. And when I talk to the moms and the dads is that 
they don't have the family time or they're the spouse that are not with the children mm-hmm. and they may have them once or twice a week and they may have them on a Tuesday or off weekend and alternating weekends. But I, I think we have to say anytime and any way we can contact them it is better than no way. I, I completely agree. Let me use my own family for a little illustration. I, I have eight kids, and before you judge me, there's four biological mm-hmm. and four adopted. But with a large family dynamic, um, I don't get to spend all of my time with all eight of my kids, right? So there are certain things that we do in our home so that I get to spend time with different ones at different times so that that relationship is being forged. Even a simple thing of running to the hardware store. Man, I take a kid with me. Why? Because from my house to the hardware store, it's a six-minute drive. Hey, we're going to talk. I want to know what's going on. Well, one of them's only a three-year-old. It doesn't matter. He's hanging out with dad, you know, like getting to spend time. Um, and so you've got to make that time. And and that's vital um, in every relationship. Teenagers, most teenagers that have troubled issues when they go off to college if they go to the military they're normally successful you want to know why because the military gives them strict guidelines Mm -hmm. they know their boundaries they know teenagers need that even in homes that have been separated or even as far as divorce teenagers still need boundaries and they thrive when there are boundaries and expectations for them kids tend to struggle when there are no boundaries or expectations Um, so spending quality time is pivotal. It's vital. We were just talking yesterday with somebody about being intentional, which is my word for the year, which we've talked a lot about words for the year, but in the car, that is a great place because you can turn down the radio and talk to them and they can't leave. Like they can't run to their room, slam the door. It's a great place when you're driving to and from school, dropping them off at work, taking them to practice to just be intentional in the car and, and go through, you know, how, how was your day? Tell me what you're struggling with or getting your kids to open up. One of the things that I think along those lines, growing up, my attitude with my mom and dad, hear me, there were many a days that we didn't get along. Yeah. And my natural reaction is contrary to my sister. My sister is a debater. She wants to argue. I was, and I don't really have anything. I'm just going to go in my room and hang out. So parents who want to be intentional, if you've never been intentional prior, don't expect that first time for that kid to open up (laughs) and be like, hey, let me pour my heart out to you. No, you may have five or six silent car rides. You may have five or six conversations that are really, really awkward because they're not answering. And that's partly them saying to you, we don't have a relationship. We've got to build that relationship that takes time uh, before a kid's just going to pour their heart out to you in youth ministry. You know, they say the average youth pastor spends about two and a half years at a church and then they move on. That's literally just breaking the surface of building relationships with teenagers. Um, and, And so parents, it takes time. And if you're a parent that doesn't get to see your kid every week or maybe your visitations or the weekends only or every other month, whatever it is, Know that you've got to invest on the long term, meaning you've got to spend time just building a relationship before that kid's ever going to tell you anything that's of of value for you Mm -hmm. to like then be able to go, man, I didn't realize that hurt them or man, I didn't realize that they felt that way. You know, everything's going to be very surfacey until that relationship is 
you know, trust has been established. May I interject? I think the parent that may not have them all the time is that unless you have legal ramifications that you cannot talk to your child at a certain time, use that cell phone as a text to text them and say, I'm thinking of you tonight. How are you doing? And use communication with texting or pick up the phone and leave a message. I think that we often think we're isolated and we're not there. And sometimes we feel so disconnected that we don't pick up the phone or text and say, hey, what you doing tonight? You know, I'm thinking about you. And give that one-on-one just by texting. I know my grandchildren can text faster than I've ever seen anybody text. (laughs) And I think that they're texting constantly somebody. And I think mom and dads, you are the ones that we need to say text. And, And if you can't call, text them. Because that is their world they live in right now, and they love it. And uh, sure. and that's we need to communicate in whatever way it's good for them at that point. I know growing up, um, you know, my family, extended families, had different issues. Everybody, everybody's families go. And one thing that I think is is crucial for the parent that doesn't have maybe the full time custody. Right. And so they get to see him over the summer or whatever. Um, uh, there are so many parents that they try to build the relationship by giving the kid everything. Hey, I'm going to send them what they need. Hey, I'm going to, you know, take them to Disney. I'm going to when they have them at their time. And that is great. They, they need that stuff. But then that parent gets frustrated when the kids don't listen to their advice or the, the, the kid doesn't really accept what they're saying. And, and that is the kid's way of saying Listen, you're trying to buy my affection, right. and all I need is some time. Hey, let's spend time together. And it doesn't have to be at Disney World. It could be at a restaurant over pizza. It could be at the house watching a movie. It could be at the dining room table. Um, but that that parent kind of gets frustrated. Well, I want them to do this. Or they begin to speak into that kid's life, and the kid rejects it because the kid's going, dude, I don't know you. You know what I mean? Um, I, I have a, a family member who's... Kids were in Ohio. They grew up in Ohio, and he lives here. Well, that's a hard deal. How do you build that relationship when you're 1,200 miles apart, you know? Um, That kid still wants you to be their parent, even though there's a divide of 1,200 miles. Um, And so learning to build that relationship so that trust can be established, so that hard conversations can be had. And you brought it up earlier, the difference between you and your sister. And I know as a parent of four kids, no two of my kids are alike. (laughs) They don't want to be loved the same way. They don't Mm. communicate the same way. So one resource is Gary Chapman's The Five Love Languages. It's a great book for your marriage, but he also has um, The Five Love Languages for Kids. And you can go online and even just take a test, have your child take the test to find out how do they want to be loved? How do they, do they want quality time? Do they want um, touch? How do they want you to communicate? So I think that's huge. What advice would you give a parent who has a student, has a teenager that just seems like they're shutting down, like they're having trouble breaking the wall of communication? Um, It's kind of like they don't know what's happening in that child's life. They don't really know who their friends are, what they're doing with them. When they leave the house, where are they going? Um, what, what advice would you give a parent that's in that situation? Well, the first thing I think is if you do have a teen that's shutting down, that you as a parent recognize the signs. 
like, hey, if my if my kid used to be involved with everything that we're doing as a family, and now all of a sudden, and again, a typical teenagers, there's going to be some of this withdrawal, um, but they're in their room all the time with the door closed, and you have no clue what's going on. That's that should be a warning sign. Right. Like, hey, let me let me at least reach out to to my child and see what's going on. Um, one of the best things, honestly, um, if you seem to not be able to break that wall down, that barrier, and you're, you've tried, you've, hey, let's go, let's talk, and they don't want to talk, um, reaching out to somebody you know your kid has a relationship with, finding that youth pastor, that coach, that teacher that they do open up and just ask them, hey, I've been trying to work with my child and they, they're not responding. I, I can't seem to figure out what's going on. Is there anything? Maybe you'd be willing to talk to me. I have parents come to me all the time. And of course, my reaction to the parents is, sure, I would love to talk to your kid. But then I ask them, um, what was what was what happened in your life that all of a sudden the kid withdrew and it makes the parents start to think hey wait a minute nothing nothing's changed no 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 something changed whether it was hey you were single and you started dating oh like they weren't comfortable with that um or hey you again, took another job and you remove them from their friends or whatever the case may be, oftentimes parents don't think about their own decisions and how they affect their kids. Um, For me, we're in the middle of a little bit of a transition. And the first thing that I did after praying with my wife through it is we sat down our kids to explain to them the decision that we're making. Why? I've got a 14 who's going to be 15 in September your old son he's asking questions why would we make this I don't want to leave him out of that I want him to be able to engage in it so that he understands this is a family decision and he saw the process that you go through it's not just like you made a decision dad doesn't care about me he's only doing this because it's for money or it's for no dude this is Here's what we started. Here's where we're finishing. Do you understand? So many parents make decisions and leave kids out of right. it. And, and and there are some, obviously, you should leave your kids out of, but there are some decisions that you can educate your children to make wise choices. Here's why mom and dad are making this choice, or here's why dad made it or mom made it, so that as they grow up, there's not resentment between the kid and the parent. You know, like yeah. they go, wait a minute, dad... Here's why dad felt that way. Um, so th- that's very, very important in my opinion to help educate and train up your children uh, to make good decisions and then getting to see mom and dad make good decisions um, or really, really hard decisions. And if, and this is, I actually said this to my son. I said, this may be something that we're, we're stepping out on faith and it may come back that, man, we made the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. But guess what? I was open with my kids about that, and they know that dad's doing this hopefully for the benefit of the family and not just out on a whim, not caring about what they think or their friends or no, it's a family decision, right. you know? You said um, educate your kids, and I think one of the ways that as a parent we've educated our kids is kind of guiding them in relationships. Mm-hmm. So starting with friendships and then as they've gotten into dating, kind of guiding and the choices they make and... And who they're looking at to be a future mate. And so can you talk about like friendships a little bit? Because I know that sometimes our kids will be drawn to people that maybe from a distance we can say, wow, that's not really a good influence in your life. But 
how do you handle that as a parent? Yeah, so, um, man, we're just entering into this stage. But uh, for the last 20 years, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer. This is not original with me. It was said to me uh, when I was a teenager. Um, but the statement is this, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Um, and I believe that. Uh, the people that you allow to speak into your life influence you hands down. Um, and so often when it comes to students, students aren't the greatest judges of character. They're not the greatest discerners yet. Even we as parents struggle discerning things at times. And so teenagers, what do teenagers want? Number one thing that teenagers want? Acceptance. They want acceptance from mom and dad. They want acceptance from their peers. Eventually, they want acceptance from an employer to get a job. Like That's vital to them. Um, And so if somebody accepts them and they go, well, they accept me for who they are, who I am, but that person's not a good influence, that's not a healthy relationship. God's word says, Proverbs 13, 20 says, he who walks with the wise grows wise. So listen, I try to hang out with people that are smarter than me because I I need wisdom. I I still call my dad every day. Um, Dad, what do you think about this? Why? Man, he's got wisdom. He's been through life. But then the verse goes on to say, um, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Well, man, if you're hanging out with people who are doing things that are inappropriate or wrong, there's consequences to that. And teenagers don't like that because they've been accepted. And so it's vital as a parent to explain to your kids, like we do this with my kids. Hey, listen, your friends, we're going to know them and we're going to know their parents. I want to know what they believe. I want to know where they stand. Not because I want to judge them, but because I want positive influences in your life. I don't want you hanging out with somebody who's doing something that's contrary to our family because that's then going to become your tendency. And in my home, sorry, like, you're going to do what we ask you to do. Right. You know what I mean? So friends are a huge influence on teenagers today. One thought that I had when you're mentioning all that is I always told my kids, bring your friends over to our house yeah. yes. and hang out at my house. Um, even when Bob was gone, I said, come over here because mm. I can see what's going on and everything. And we did have episodes with all three different kids with doing different things, but our neighbors would see them do something and they would call me up or the youth pastor and their wives are so vital. But if you haven't connected and know the youth pastor personally, I would suggest you strongly go to the youth pastor and meet with them and tell them what is going on in your life right now. Tell them the crisis that you're facing so they're aware of it. They may not know what's going on, and that could connect them and understand to watch out. Our youth pastors watched out for all three of my kids and would try to you know, have that relationship with them, and that's so important. You you made mention of like, hey, going to the youth pastor and explaining what's going on. I, I will say this. As a youth pastor, when parents come to me and they say, hey, I just want you to know this about my kid. I, I'm going to use a, a, a real simple one. Here's a medical condition my child has. Everybody knows that knowledge is power, 
right? So if you empower me with knowledge, I'm able to then speak into different situations. However, if you never come to me, um, we go to a summer camp and we've got kids who we don't know and parents come and they'll be like, hey, I need you to watch my kid about this. Thank you. But if you never tell me, right. I, I had a, I'll, I'll say this last year, we were at a summer camp and um, I had a kid who we've never been to our church, kind of signed up and came and was invited by some friends. And uh, we're going through camp the last day of camp. This young child suffers a massive seizure. Now, we do all our medical reports, we have all, but the parents never communicated to me that there were any medical issues. Now I'm dealing with a kid who's in complete seizure and we've got to call 911, we've got to get people like, man, if I had known, this would be things we could have been prepared for. Now I'm using medical, but the same is true when it comes to pain and hurt and turmoil and issues in the home if a parent comes to me and says hey i just want you to know in our home we just suffered a loss man we lost a a loved one um man i i can now speak into that kid's life knowing hey man he's grieving hey that's this is a normal grieving process this is something that let me help walk you through that but if you never tell me that man we don't know and that's why we need moms and dads to contact their youth pastor and tell them about the grieving they're going through right now will help all these people. I, I would also, I would extend it. And, and again, I'm a huge into the youth pastor and youth ministry. I would believe that. But I would also extend it to if you have people that you know and you trust, maybe it's a coach, maybe it's a coworker that has built a relationship with your kids, man, tell them. Let as many people who you believe and trust speak into your kids' lives as possible. Um, the old adage, it takes a village to raise a yes. child. H- hear me. Um, our good friends speak into our kids' life. They better. Otherwise, I'm going to go to my friends and go, why, why didn't you tell them no? Or why yeah. didn't you tell me what they were doing? Like, these are things we got to work together. And so um, that that's not just youth ministry or youth pastors. I, again, 100% the youth pastor, but maybe it's a coach, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a family friend that you have kids the same age and whatever, speaking into their lives is pivotal. Our tendency when we're going through a crisis is to retreat, even as adults. Yeah, because we don't want anybody to know we, what we're going right. through. Right. So, so we sit in the pews the yeah. and we fake it and we don't tell anybody about what's happening at home or that my spouse moved out or that my spouse is, we're arguing. And, um, but it's important, like you said, because when you know, you can empower. So you don't have to tell your entire church the crisis you're in, but go to the trusted people you have, go to that inner circle and let them help you through the. Think about the signal that that sends to your child. Hey, we're, we're going through all of this at home, but when we go to church or when we go to the school, we're going to pretend that everything's okay. Now that kid's going but man, I know everything's not okay. And I got friends that I need to talk to, but I don't know if I should say anything because mom and dad are trying to play this game or, or whatever the case may be. Um, man, that sends signals to that, that kid. Now they don't know what to do. And then they're, if they do talk, if they do talk out and tell their friend, they're like, Hey, don't tell anybody. Right. Then then they feel they betray their parents or betray whatever the case may be. And so, man, if you as a parent, 
And again, let's say you're going through a horrific situation. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. The number one thing, in my opinion, outside of, you know, obviously taking things to the Lord is to be open and honest about it. Hey, here is what we're facing. I get that it's a personal family issue, but sometimes God puts people in our lives that can help speak truth into that. But unless you're open about it, they have no idea right and and so getting over that hurdle which again major hurdle because you want to make sure your persona is good everybody hey our family's okay everything's great no man it's it's not and you know what you talk about light is jesus is the Mm -hmm. light Mm -hmm. and the devil wants us to keep secrets and not tell anybody because it's darkness and if we tell people and and tell that circle We've got people praying for us, and that is what the devil doesn't want us to yeah. tell anybody to pray for us. The truth is, is the reason we don't tell people is our own pride. Right. Like Correct. pride sets in, and we get, we say, ah, I don't want anybody to think of me differently. No, when you can put your pride aside and go, you know what, for the betterment of my kids or the betterment of whatever it is that we're going through, I'm going to put it out there. It, it, the truth is... Think about the addict, right? Until he admits right. and says there's a problem, there, that is the truth. And if I have sin in my life, if I don't deal with it, if I just go, you know what, I'm not going to say it, then I'm never, I'm never going to get over that hurdle. The same is Correct. true with students and, and showing them as parents, hey, you know what, mom and dad aren't perfect. And you know what, we're going to ask for help. We're not going to be the people that go, no, we've got this. Clearly, we don't have it. Right. And we want to show you that it's okay to ask for help. Um, I, I have a I have an adoptive daughter that we have to explain and share that you know what it's okay to ask for help. That is not a weakness. That's actually a strength. Someday you may have to call nine one one. That's okay. Amen. You know what I mean? Like that's okay. There's a fear. That, oh, man, I can't ask for help because then I'll get in trouble or then I'll get, you know, it'll make things worse. You know what? It may. It may make things worse before it gets better. But ultimately, when you ask for help, it gets better. Right. You know? Amen. Well, what we just talked about is how important the church is. Mm. And there's many people who kind of retreat from the church when they're going through this crisis. They don't know where they fit in. They, They are fighting their child who doesn't want to go to church anymore. And so they kind of just step away from that very um, important institution. And so what would you say to um, a family who's kind of not involved in the church right now? I know for us personally, my youth pastor and his wife um, saved me from myself when I was you know, 15, 16 years old. It was a vital place for me. And now that's why it has always been such an important place in our life. We've made it such a priority for our kids to be involved and to be in a youth group where um, they can be poured into. And you've done a great job of that in our family. <laughs> uh, um, I'm a product of a, of a youth ministry. Mm-hmm. I'm a product of a church who taught the word and men and women weren't afraid to say, this is the truth and tell kids that, tell me that. Um, I want to go back real quick just to hit this there's probably a lot of parents who feel that way. Like, I don't know about going to church. I don't know where we fit in. Probably the number one thing is, is they go, we're going to be judged. Right. 
oh, people are going to judge our marriage. It's falling apart. We must not love the Lord. No, I love the Lord, but there's still hurdles and challenges in my life. And um, so they, they don't want to feel judged. And I would say that if you're at a church where you feel judged, you might want to reconsider. You know what I mean? Like the church is designed, God's plan intent was to do life together. Community is vital. If you think about it, God himself resides in community. He resides in community with the Son, and he resides in community with the Holy Spirit. And so the church, when it was established, was so that, think about it, we could take care of the widows and the orphans who don't have anybody to help them, so that we can take care of help the church or people in the church who are struggling and have massive needs that a student can go, you know what? I've got a safe place that I can express. Here's my challenges. Here's my hardships. And there are people who can go, number one, man, I've actually gone through that and I can walk through it with you. Or number two, let me tell you what God's word says. And, and it's pivotal. If you're getting your advice from something other than God's word, you're getting wrong advice. Right. Yep. You know, and, and where are kids going to get right advice? Hopefully the local church. Right. And your child may not know the Lord Jesus Christ. You may have just come to know the Lord now due to the marriage crisis that you have. But now you're taking your kids into church and they're learning the gospel and getting to know the Lord. But the one thing that is we teach all the time is we're praying for your salvation, then your spouse's salvation, and of course, your children's salvation. And if we don't get them in church and to hear the word and to go to youth groups and let them be with people where speak truth to them. But when I can tell you, and if you haven't been into a youth group or even visited a youth group with your child, youth groups are not like they used to be when I grew up or when my children grew up. You know, they're, they're, they've got music and everything that will blend them and they have youth pastors that will deal with the pertinent issues and subjects that they have to deal with at school and saying no to the temptation of drugs at school and so forth, or talking or doing things that you know your parents would say no to. Let me go back. Lori, you asked the question, you know, a parent who may want to put take their kid to church who may not want to go, right? Um, here's what I tell all parents. Um, I say to them, number one, if the kid lives in your house, and I go, this is a bold statement, you're the parent. Yes. You're not the friend yet right? Like you only become the friend when the kid marries, right? That's my opinion. Um, But if they live in your home, here's a simple thing. Hey, you're going to go once. I want you to try it once. And maybe they go and they don't like it. Okay. I want you to try another one, not the same place. Let's go somewhere else. But you as the parent, give them the resource that is they're going to go. um, Because the truth is most most teenagers aren't going to go on their own. Most teenagers are going to go, dude, I don't know anybody there. I don't want to go. Okay. I want you to go once. Let's find a friend who goes somewhere. Let's go where they go to where you have a connection. And then most of the time they'll go, you know what? I'll I'll go back. Mm -hmm. And then if they don't, Fine, find another place, but give them options. Don't just go, hey, you're gonna gonna you're gonna go here, and if you don't like it, I don't care. Again, it goes back to that building relationship. If I I've told my kids where I'm a youth pastor, and with the day that we we learn this in youth ministry, the day that kids get their keys, 
They stop going to youth ministry. So by the time they're a sophomore, they're all plugged in, they're going. But when they hit that junior year or the end of their sophomore year, most of them stop going. Why? Well, they got their car keys. They can go do whatever they want. Here's our rule for my kids. You don't even have to go to my youth group where I'm the youth pastor. You've got to go somewhere. You've got to have people speaking into your life at some point. And we, that's, that's what we believe. You know, for kids, they need it. And, they, and most kids want it. Um, they want that community. So yeah. making that a, a, an available option for them to say, hey, no, this is what we're going to do in our family. You're going to go. When you're with me, here's where we're going. When you're with whoever, all right, you don't, that's their rule. But when you're with me, we're going to church and we're going to get connected. And I'll go with you. I'll go get connected with you. You know. Amen. Another thought I had is that for you that are listening, you may not even have a teenager right now, mm. and you've got somebody little or variety of ages, or you may not even have your children at home or do not have children at this point. May I suggest you strongly get involved in a ministry in your church. Mm. And you may love kids. You may have nieces and nephews and so forth of family members, and may I ask you to pray about what your ministry might be. And you may be able to be a helper in, in a youth group or in a Sunday school class and where you can be out there helping people. And especially if your children are not close to you and you're not able to see them all the time, you can sow into other people's mm -hmm. children of whatever age you choose and what the Lord opens you up to. But sow into people and you will be blessed. Well, I think ending on the church, which is such a vital part of our lives, is a great way to end. So we want to thank you for being with us. And I want to ask if you would um, just close us in prayer and pray mm. for the students. Well, thanks for having me. Sure. Let's pray. Let's pray for those, those kids. God, we love you. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Lord, we lift up, uh, man, the students who, God, are facing hardships, Lord, who man at home, uh, Lord, who are struggling. God, I pray that you would wrap your arms around them, God, that you would encourage them even today. Lord, for the mom and dads who uh, are trying to build relationships with their kids, Lord, that you would give them avenues and, and, and ways to do that. Lord, that they would get plugged into a church, God, that they would get plugged into you. Um, and Lord, in that, in that, Lord, that they would reap a harvest of what you sow into their kids' lives, Lord, into them. Lord, thank you for this ministry. Thank you for uh, the hard work and their efforts, God, as they uh, try to put forth uh, your word and your truth to so many people. God, thank you that we've had the opportunity today to do that. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you want to hear more on this topic, we have an audio teaching called For the Sake of the Children that's available as a CD or an MP3 that will take you a little deeper into this topic. You can find the link to purchase that below this podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, be sure to subscribe so that you're notified when a new episode is released. And if you enjoyed this podcast and you found it beneficial, will you submit a review so it will help our rankings and other people will be able to find it? If you want to reach out to us, you can do so from our website, again, www.rejoiceministries.org. Write us and tell us how you enjoyed this podcast.
If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages. Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift. Visit rejoiceministries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting family.